0: hello my friends hello my life warriors wherever you are in the world welcome to the day in day out podcast woo today on episode Uh, 150 I I was very lucky And it was a joy to have uh, Connor Braden on Uh, He is uh, He is a teacher by day Author by night And yeah A joy to have as a podcast guest He's also a podcaster on the full moon Uh, Yeah We talked about many things We talked about the Irish education system We talked about how he uh, Got his book started And what inspired him to get that spark going we even also talked about his podcast and yeah some of the things what helped him build his uh, growing uh, band of uh, authors out there he is uh, I've got to simply say, I really enjoyed this podcast. I uh, look forward to having him back on again. And yeah, uh, bend his ear about maybe a little bit of Invincible and like more of his geekdom and see how it goes from there. But for now, please subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy the show and have a great day. Yeah. Peace. Ha <laughs> ha. Record. Ooh, I have to say ah hello my friends hello my life warriors wherever you are in the world welcome to the day in day out podcast woo today on episode 150 yeah that's right i am very privileged to have uh oh this this is where the last name might get me connor braden hey there you go come on (laughs) Who is a teacher by day and an author by night? Also on the full moons, he is a podcaster as well. Wow. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, Connor, how are you today?
1: Uh, I'm grand, a little bit tired and a bit sunburned as well because we had sports day in school today, and um, oh. I had to I had to deal with a kid who thinks he knows everything better than his teachers. So uh, when he wanted to play in his final match, I just said no. You're not. He goes, oh, why? And I said, because you've been annoying me all day and I don't want
0: to put up with you. So you can go sit over there. <laughs> I said, sit down. I'll get my vengeance in this life, in this lifetime or the next. <laughs> <It's> like <I'm... laughs> Probably, probably. Yeah, you know what? I think, you know, there was one way you might have been able to subdue him. Go A on. simple way. You should have got out your ducky tie. I should have got out my ducky tie. I, I should have. I'm
1: terrified that you did my ducky tie. Hey, look,
0: I'm just saying, look, that ducky tie. Dad,
1: Miwa does his research. Uh. <laughs> hey,
0: all I've got to say is your ducky tie's there. You could have went, okay. Sorry. No, I don't want to listen. Ducky tie. Just like ducky tie. Hey, subdue him. Now, now I have to ask, look, what was the thing what led you to be? Come author, just, just to say what was the thing? Oh god, how long do you have? Um, so I I have said before
1: that uh I was always cursed by my father to be uh obsessed with books and stories because I was named after the main character of a book he was reading when I was born. Um yeah, I know even with a name like Connor, believe it or not, there's characters in books called Connor as well. Uh
0: one of the most common <laughs> names ever, are still we're still there. Um oh the most famous Connor, not his first name, but last name, John Connor. Oh, yes. Yes. And
1: actually, actually, my middle name is John. So he's John Connor. I'm Connor John. So you oh, I see.
0: I'm kind of uh, running from a big robot from the future, then I understand. I'd rather not say. No, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. no but like uh, I just, yeah. So the, even from a really, really, really young age, like before I started formal schooling, I was, um, obsessed with reading and books and stories and things like that and um i was born in new york and when we were there my uh, parents had this like state of the art at the time like very early 90s um camera camera recorder but what was cool was um you could record directly onto a vhs tape with okay. it so you you'd put the vh tape in the vhs into the camera and then you could take it out and put it straight into your vcr anyone that was born like Pre ninety four, I can be like, "What language is this?
0: Like, um, what is this camcorder you talk of? VHS Why is he speaking in tongues?" Okay, like you Gen Z pre after, I don't know, <laughs> you embryo, get out of there! It's like, oh.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, they had this, and like every now and then, they We when we'd go on holidays back to Ireland. um they bring it to like film everyone, and then they go back and show my dad's aunt who's living in New York. I'm like, Oh yeah, there's such and such and their kids. So every now and then they'd be like a tape would be nearly finished. And my mom would just put it in, but like here, Connor, do something. And I'd like get up and start acting on stage and tell it, retelling a fairy tale or doing that. So like I've always been obsessed with telling stories.
0: Okay. Yeah. the obsession of storytelling. So like, let me see. I, i have like i'm curious like so which story which was your favorite sort of story when you were a kid you came Uh, up with come like you know what i mean like this thing if you're a kid kid, like and like yeah performing hey
1: yeah um okay so we we, let's put it this way we can do it in different different stages okay so when i was uh before i was 10 um I uh my parents were for a little bit and my mum and my brother and myself we moved to Ireland when I was like five and then my dad is still living in America and he once sent over this big collection of um books that I still have them and I actually use them in school now with kids who are reluctant readers right. um and they, what they were was they were retellings of old classics like A Tale of Two Cities, Gulliver's Travels, um Swiss Family Robinson, uh wildfang call of no the jack was it wild uh the jack london books about the two dogs call of the wild and white Fang. that was it oh.
0: um
1: like all those kind of books and uh, what was There were beautiful woodcut illustrations in them so every other page had this amazing illustration and then there was the retelling it was it was like the same story but it was more bigger bigger text much more easy to read that kind of thing so like until I was 10 i went through every single one of them and when i got to the end of the shelf i just go back to the first one and read it again <laughs> um I, they, they were just they were mind-blowingly good so that was like my first couple of books then once i got over 10 i started reading a lot of um fantasy um particularly uh, harry potter was a huge influence um written by she Who must not be named <laughs>
0: who's
1: that no one here's here's a fun fact people don't know about harry potter it wasn't actually written by an author they just appeared one day and that's all we'll say that's that's just how it works so um yeah the harry the harry potter books though growing up had a huge influence on me like i was that kid who insisted on going at midnight to to the shop to buy it at midnight um and then and then my parents bought a shop uh they, they my parents got back together my parents bought a shop and then they um had books in it so then I was the one who opened the shop at midnight to sell the book to me and my friends and anyone in the town who wanted to so it was a nice kind of come around um but yeah just uh, just I've always been reading I was just fantasy and kind of anything as long as it's a good story that really pulls you in and mm. makes you f- forget where you are while you're reading it or while you're listening to it or while you're whatever that's that's all I look for.
0: Right. But like, it must be one of those things. I understand where you're coming from, where like, to be able to lose yourself in a story, lose yourself into a book, to be transported to another world. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it is a tricky thing to do. Anyone who takes it lightly just doesn't get it. Because like, I think the fastest book I've ever read was like this sort of Aliens Predator like sort of book and I was just like yeah like once I was there I was like yeah I was literally in a mech suit just like carving through this book and like I'm like one of the things one of the books which I've looked at and went (laughs) no Uh, one of my best mates Ed uh, Ed Seydoux he was reading like what would you say are three of the books you must read as a child oh um see this this
1: is this is tough because as a teacher as well you know i'm like yep. what of the you know um matilda by roald dahl okay absolutely that um that book is phenomenally well told um exceptionally hilarious and i i kids love a good villain mm-hmm. and there's no better villain than mr wormwood mrs wormwood and miss trunchbull or <laughs> No, she was miserable. Um, brilliant, brilliant book. I always, I always put that in front of a kid if I, if I think, hey, if you, if you're good at reading, you're gonna love this. Um, so Matilda by Roald Um, there's a, there's a book I have that's not very well known, but the author is very well known. Um, she's a British, uh, a black British author actually, Mallory Blackman. Okay, you really heard of her? Uh, okay. she, she has, she's written a huge amount of books but there's one book it never really did very well and it's not very well known it's called thief and it is like i I remember reading it too because um in ireland we have kind of two we have a couple of ways of getting kids to read one is like have a big library in the classroom and they can pick books or whatever One we do novels as a whole class um but sometimes kids are reluctant because they have they're forced to but my favorite way to get them into reading is to read a book to them just Mm -hmm sit back and listen to that we're reading this book and I'll do that with every age some teachers think you know once they get to 10 they're a bit old but no I'll be there with 13 year olds going and once upon a time and I'll read them you would be surprised how much people like being read to yeah you know um, and I always read this book and I remember the last class I had like they were gasping and they were <gasps> kind of at it because there's such twists and turns in the book it's just it's just amazing so that's my number two so Keith from Blackman, Matilda Big Roald and i'm drawing a blank now i can't think of any but there's there's just so many i would say i'm not going to say the harry potter books because i think i think there are there's really good books it's they're really good but they're they're kind of there's such a cultural zeitgeist now that even the kids who don't read the books still know enough about them do you know what i mean to Mm. um for i I'll, i'll cheat and i'll say for irish children I think the third book they should read before they grow out of it is a book called "The Guns of Easter" by Gerald Whelan. Um, "The Guns of Easter" is a fiction book, but it's set during the real life uh, rebellion that happened uh, in our in Dublin during World War One in 1916 against the British Empire. And it's actually, even though it failed, the leaders of that rebellion were executed. And when they were, the Irish public kind of really. Yeah, they- yeah. And it kind of it kind of got the ball rolling towards Irish independence from the empire. So, I think I, Irish kids in particular, once again, <laughs> nine ten, they're going to read that book going, "Oh, oh, that's what happened. That's amazing." So,
0: I, I see that's how you indoctrinate them all. <laughs> it's like, educate, that's how you educate, <laughs> educate them all. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> educate all. Yeah, you know what I mean. But, yeah. you know, but yeah. okay, i uh, This is the thing. I, going back to the story I was telling. Yes the book I like, I think every kid should like read. Well, I didn't, Lord of the Rings, that big chunky SOB of a book, 1,200, and God knows how many pages. I looked, I looked at it, was like, oh my God. And like, he was reading through this, like you wait, he was like, yeah, chewing through it, chewing through it. Yeah, Like yeah. if a book can hold anyone for that many pages, with that in depth storytelling, yeah, books are powerful things, and I think, yeah, they are poorly served by a large percentage of people who try to become authors. But yeah, but yeah.
1: and I think as well, though, like speaking as a teacher again, I can't take the hat, the hat off. We're we're doing this on a Thursday <laughs> evening, so I'm still like just to do tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but like, I think I think as well that one issue that a lot of people have at reading is it's kind of forced very much on them and kids aren't allowed to explore books as much as i would like to especially in in I'm not, i not i've never taught in the uk but i am very familiar with the education system because it's it's quite similar to the irish one um so like it's very much readers which are you know those books that you do that there's like they're leveled and you go up the yeah. level and you know that kind of thing whereas like a lot of teachers look at my classroom with Confused expressions when I'm shoving a comic book in a kid's hands mm. because that's reading. Yeah. And then yeah. there's another kid who like there's a there's a kid I I uh teaches a minute, he's huge into baking. And he he's uh, and not only is he into it, he's really good at it. Like really good. Like he's before COVID and stuff, he was he would bring in something every other Friday <laughs> and be like, uh, hey, I made this. Do you want to try? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, okay, you made it, no <laughs> bother, like give it over. Um so I'm getting him cookbooks. Yeah, uh,
0: I can just okay. see it now. Every Friday, you just show up at his locker. Hey, how you doing? Hey. Yeah, it's like you cool, you cool, yeah, right. You know what you Victoria sponge for me, right there. Victoria sponge. Yeah, you mentioned that. It?
1: No, it's his flapjacks. The flapjacks. Oh, oh ha. they're more butter than they are anything else. So they're just like, <laughs>
0: it's like they're so on. bad for you. But It's Here, so... like it's like, like you can feel one artery slowly clogging <laughs> up. It's Here, like a, <laughs> absolutely I'm sorry. i will finish it i will <laughs> like would you say with regards to the sort of uh, education system and like you're a teacher not, but would you say in some respects they make like rather than sort of make it fun and interesting it takes it down a different path sort of dull and boring or would or is it um, in between what would you say
1: um I would say the 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 okay. So the the biggest issue with the education system in mm. the UK, and I, I, I as I said, I've never taught in the UK, but I guarantee you, every UK teacher, if they listen to this, will be like, yes, <laughs> classrooms are too big. Uh. Um, the, the the amount of kids we have is too big. Um, the UK and Ireland before the UK left the EU, for example, the mm. UK and Ireland were number one and number two in terms of the amount of children. the highest demented children so i think the uk ratio you see um pupil teacher ratio is based school-wide so you might have classrooms that are smaller but if you look at the whole school that works out the uk i think was 29.7 kids for one teacher oh god and the and ireland is 25 at the minute but uh, whereas that sounds amazing 25 to one actually you usually end up with classrooms of 31 because then you have to have those extra teachers that go in and out of different rooms and help out with the kids who really need it which is what i'm doing now mm. um, whereas countries like finland their ratio is 14 to one like can you imagine having only 14 can you imagine being one as a kid go back in your head Miwa, and imagine there's only 13 other kids in your class I'm so and so one in my head a teacher
0: <laughs> okay take your time we might be here for some time. It's like, yeah. Also the recording now. He's <laughs> like, it's like I haven't moved for a long time yet. It's okay. But
1: uh, like, can you imagine being like in a, in a classroom so small, because then you can give so much more attention to each kid. Mm. The way, the way I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about this, obviously. Um, the way I like to explain it to people is, the if you think of it less how many kids are in the classroom and more, how many minutes in the teaching day can a teacher give just to your kid? Mm. You'd be shocked at how much people would be like, oh, we need the classroom smaller. Because I think at the minute in the classroom I work in, there's 29. So with the school day, take away the, the two breaks in the day. Each kid gets seven minutes one-on-one attention.
0: That is madness. That's, yes. yeah, that is madness. Yeah. Because I, I don't know how it works in Ireland because like I had friends who were teachers and like basically teacher assistants and mm-hmm. like they like they have offstead like sort of checking and making sure they were up to standards. And yeah. like, if you're saying you've got seven minutes, a child with like a class of 29 and I'm at like and you said it's 29, it must probably about 29 to 31 kids here in the the uk that is just like um how on earth do you expect them to really kind of learn anything when when you're talking that's the length of yeah two tiktoks at this present time oh, I'm sorry. you know what I mean? yeah. it's, wow wow
1: yeah see and that's that's why i like like your reaction there is a perfect example because that's that's why i don't like it when people say it's Oh yeah 29 to 1 or like 29 kids to one teacher yeah. or 25 to 1 because that just sounds like there's 25 in the classroom. Mm. And, and yeah it does work out on average but when you put it in minutes when you say when you when you get an email from a parent and they're like which I I got today when you get an email from a parent being like listen I'm not happy with how they're doing I think you could be doing what can you do to help me out that, mm. I kind of feel like saying, I I literally literally on your kid can get seven minutes one-on-one attention from me maximum otherwise other children's education is gonna suffer you know what I mean so so that's that's the number one problem with education in the UK and Ireland in particular is that there's not enough funding because basically the both our governments want to show as many kids into the classroom so that they can save money on having less teachers in the nation so as a result then that's why you have the kids who don't like reading because as a teacher you have to everyone has to read the same thing so you, you're able to actually teach anything mm. whereas if I had a class of 14 I can be like guys I have a I have, who, who would like to read Matilda and there'd be like five kids right great here take take a copy of Matilda read it stop at the end of chapter one and have a chat you guys do you all want to read something else great hey uh meanwhile I know you, you're finding reading tricky but you know what I know you like the fantastic four here's a stack of fantastic four comments mm. uh, comics look through that you know you could be more like that and kids would actually get to exp- explore learning the way their brain is wired to but unfortunately you have this other system that means we all have to do the same
0: yeah like it kind of reminds me of uh, there's a like the classic sort of picture meme where like you've got a guy sitting at a desk and he goes okay you've got like different animals like all lined up and he goes hey that, like the object of this test is to climb up the tree and get the banana, and like you got you're like going okay. I don't know how this elephant's going to do it or this penguin, but you're like, and you're just like oh, okay. When it's that sort of cookie cutter, and I know like I know it's not easy. I'm I i can not claim to like oh yes, uh, this is how we do it, modern day like education system, but if there's any kind of disruption or if there's one kid which is like who knows going through a tough time yeah. that like that seven minutes you talked about is optimal that is not taking into account of craziness what can happen with kids like because especially if they're in senior school the hormones are the hormones are rushing and they sometimes will go crazy yeah same yeah
1: yeah exactly i like i know i know that comic you yeah because i've actually shown that to classes and kids before standardized tests mm. um so we, we don't have ofsted but we do have a curriculum we do have inspectors that can come randomly to the school to make sure we're doing things the way we should or whatever um but i have shown that to two kids and be like look we're, we we have to do this test it's it's something the government wants mm. the reason we do it is so that the government can see oh, as a country, we're not doing so great lately in maths, so we're going to put more money into maths. And I'll show them that comic book can be like that strip and be, some of you are the monkey in this situation. Some of you are able to climb that tree. You'll be able to do the test like that. Some of you are goldfish. You're not even able to get out of the bowl. So don't worry about it. And then another day, I'll be like, if this was PE, if climbing the tree and getting the banana was kicking a football, the kids who are the goldfish are now the monkey. The kids who are the monkey might be the giraffe now. You know, like it's...
0: yeah. But like this is the thing with like this like with these standardized tests. Do they learn like do they learn anything or do they learn how to take the test? It okay. So
1: um, there's two types of assessment. <laughs> 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 you're really unlocking the teachers, though. Yeah. Uh, types of assessment. There's assessment of learning, mm-hmm. and assessment for learning. So your assessment of learning is. The test at the end of the year, it's it's your A-levels and your GCSEs, your junior cert and your leaving cert. You've been learning, you've been studying, da-da-da. What do you now know? Okay, and that's that's one thing. Standardised tests, the way we use them in Ireland, especially in primary school, which is the only thing I definitely know, is we use it for assessment for learning. Mm. We just did that standardised test. We might see that there's 10 kids that are doing amazingly well but there's actually seven kids at the other end of the spectrum who are really suffering. So those seven kids are then earmarked for extra help for the next school year. Mm. You know, to get them out of that. Now, yeah, obviously some kids will never get out of that bottom seven for different reasons. They might have a learning difficulty. They might have special needs of some sort. Um, it could be just, they're just not somebody who's good at maths, but they could be an amazing dancer or an amazing artist. There's a kid who, as I said, an amazing baker, you know, yeah. and it's it's all about trying to give them a nice well-rounded
0: bed of confidence uh, Around well-rounded bed of confidence yeah it is a tricky thing like uh, yeah because like sort of really sort of discovering yourself and what you want to like what type of person you kind of make that fit is a tricky thing and um, it makes me ask you this like like you'd say yeah you loved reading when you were a kid and like you're doing like stories but like what was kind of like the spark for you to like go, you know what, I've talked about it, I've thought about it, but now, yeah, sorry, I'm going to go out and start my book. Well, um, I always was
1: writing, even as a kid, like even before I started formal school, I would draw pictures and tell my mom, oh, and this is the bunny and the bunny went down the hole and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I was always writing stories. Sometimes I would not do my English homework, not write the essay and instead write a short story you know that kind Mm. of thing so it was always in me um so even when a young kid I was like I want to be an author when I grow up it was just always it just was always there you know um but the thing that finally uh gave me the kick up the arse to actually do it (laughs) uh was actually a really bad thing um it was my uh my boyfriend of four years got very ill um and was in hospital for uh four months I think um non-stop so we kind of like he he's fine now and like he he did have uh, some long-term effects like he has a disability now and things like that but hmm. but everything's no 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 it's it's fine it's it's ancient history for us at this point hmm. but um i remember the two of us kind of how can i put it once everything had really settled down and once he was kind of over the major humps in the road of his recovery uh we both sat down and I actually got this little stupid workbook thing that was called the bucket list for couples and I was just like yeah let's 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 think about what's really important to you as an individual what's really important to me as an individual but what's really important to us as a couple as well you know that is a dangerous book my friend because you (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) it's like dangerous book yeah
1: um it was a bit of a letdown actually because oh. i was expecting it to have more a list of things we could possibly do and like that but it was to be honest it was much more of a, a very blank workbook um mm. but as i said it started the conversation you know yeah uh, so we were sitting uh, we were lying on the floor do, looking at that talking doing that and um he i kept saying yeah well when i'm when i have a when i'm a published author and when i have a book and when i did a And he was just like, you know, you you talk about that all the time, but you actually, I've never seen you write. Mm. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) He's called my bluff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, this is the thing. I think a lot of people catch, like, they don't catch themselves in that sort of trap. But, Mm. like, the whole, like, because you say, do a lot of saying, and you're always saying, 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 you, like, you don't get into the realm of doing and like, believe you me, saying can take up a lot of time before you yeah. know it. It's just like, where did five years go? Okay. <laughs> so, so we called your bluff on it. <laughs> the prick. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was quite happy, content, just say like saying this, saying that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I had the book like I had my whole book series all set set out in my head. Yes, fine there. (laughs) Just like going, yeah, looking at the one who can't be named and laughing in her face. (laughs) You Uh. fool! (laughs) Like yes, Harry who. after he called you bluff what like what did you do did you like uh, armed or did you just like uh, you know
1: um i he called my bluff but to be honest i i did i i don't think i had realized at that point that i was bluffing do you know what i mean like Mm. in my head i was like no no i'm gonna do it like i was listening to podcasts about writing and and i i was reading books about writing like I felt like I was walking the walk but really it was just more talking the talk um so when he said that it, it was like oh yeah I'm, I'm 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 circling the drain like I'm doing everything except the thing I need to do to be a writer which yeah. is right <laughs> yeah, no, so no, no, no. um <laughs> I just said you know what okay screw it I'm, I'm gonna go for it I'm gonna I'm gonna write a novel um and at that time, I had tried to write four different novels. And all of them, and by tried to write, I mean, I had actually had started. And, and uh, one of them, actually, I got to 50,000 words on, which is, it sounds like a lot, but that's a short, that's a short book. Um, Like, to use, to use uh, She Who Knows Not Be Named as a reference, uh, the first Harry Potter book, which is the shortest one, is 76,000 words. Okay. Okay, well, that- so... Yeah. 50,000 Like a, a good bit done Dissentations um, uh, my friend Yeah Yeah <laughs> It's like yeah So I said right that's it I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do them. But the goal of this Is to actually finish it And then we'll see Where we go from there mm. um, So I bought another book About writing But this was a workbook And it was really cool So it made you like List out things You're passionate And interested about And then you had to pick The top 15 Or something like that Or maybe 12 Out of that That could lead to a book and then I had to put them all in the half and I had to draw them out in threes and look at which trio was I most drawn to. And that was the seed of my book. So the trio I pulled out was Newgrange, which is a um ancient Irish Neolithic um passage tomb. It's uh it's the oldest in Western Europe, it's older than Stonehenge, it's like five, it's older than the pyramids of Giza. And it has this really amazing thing where on the dawn of the shortest day of the year, the dawn of the winter solstice, the sun shines in the doorway exactly perfectly and lights up a chamber inside. And this only happens on the two days before the day of and the three days after the solstice. So for those six days, when you're there at dawn, the light, the room lights up from sunlight and every other day of the year, it's pitch black.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's some freaky calculations What went on with that Okay, I know
1: and that's, that's older than the pyramid So like, there's, there's, that's, that's insanely impressive So that was thing number one Thing number two was um, uh, I can't remember the word I wrote down But I wrote down like Films and adventures and things Along the lines of Indiana Jones Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. Uncharted, The Goonies That kind of exploration Discovering clues and it leading you down A rabbit hole and this big thing at the end and the last word was cults as in like mysterious strange cults so that became the longest night
0: Mm. so like with that like (laughs) like that becoming the longest night and everything like that going with cults going with like a secret, like a secret area which only lights up six days out of the year like during the solstice and like yeah uh adventure like taken into the many realms of different adventures like films and genres which like so how did you sort of like pick like start building the sort of characters behind this or because had, that is quite a hefty lot to take in right there it's not small but know. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah um one one thing I like one thing I've always noticed in books I read was a lot of them are, there's one main character. Yeah. And I remember like, even again, I, I keep going back to it and I don't want to, but going back to Harry Potter, like it's, it's Harry, Ron and Hermione and Ron and Hermione are, are hugely important characters, but we never, I don't know if you've read them, but you never get to see their point of view. There's never a chapter that like is Hermione in the library and thinking to herself and discovering something. It's mm. always Harry's off doing something and someone then comes to him. which is is an absolutely legitimate perfectly fine way to write a book but it always bothered me so that was my first thing you know first thing I was like I want three main characters I want them to be equally main characters as much as as possible in terms of importance to the story in terms of amount of time they're featured in the story another thing that was important to me was I got as good a representation of Ireland but the whole thing is set in Ireland by the way the whole book um, I wanted a really good representation of Ireland as it is at the minute. So I wanted to make sure there was um, people of color as a main character. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, uh, I wanted to make sure that there was um, people from the LGBT spectrum in the, as, uh, especially because I'm LGBT. So you know, you... I want, yeah, yeah. Did not mention that.
0: No, no, no. You didn't mention that. I, I didn't quite pick it up when you said, yeah, your boyfriend, boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> is that kind of... Oh my god, it's like you I'm sorry, I didn't know. It's like, a, no. it's like you look so normal. What? <laughs> it's like, what? what's that howl in the distance? Counsel him. Oh no, I <laughs> got to go. I got to go. <laughs> uh,
1: I yeah, I've I've had that. I've had that reaction in real life being like, oh yeah, and then I was saying to my boyfriend, I was like, sorry, what? Oh. i like yeah, yeah, yeah. My my boyfriend we were together 13 years, like you know da, da da and people are just like, you're you're gay. I'm like, yeah. it's like yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like,
0: it's like, it's like, yeah yeah. I I haven't really hit net. Yeah, came <laughs> in yeah. holding hands. He's <laughs> like it's, um, it like, yeah, like he said I'm his better half. I went I went no, I'm really his better. half it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah.
1: <laughs> oh God! But um, but yeah. So like, when I was thinking of the main characters, so I wa- that th- those two things are really important. I wanted it to be representative. I wanted yeah. it to be, is, even though it was a three, I wanted to make sure there was a, a gender balance, if I could, uh, which I didn't. But, but there's two men, one woman, one woman. But there's a like, there's a, a a lot of all this. The secondary characters are women, mm. um, that are very crucial to the plot as well. So. Yeah. Like that workbook I mentioned that made me bring out all those different things and put them in the hat that also forced me to brainstorm. I, the book said, you might be tempted to move on, but do not. It made me brainstorm 10 different characters with the idea being, but all 10 have to potentially be the main character of your book. Okay. I was like, okay, I, I can do that. So I did. I came up with 10 and I then had to pick the three I thought were the best. And that's how I ended up with Hunter, Keith, and Tasha.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must be one hell of a tricky thing because, okay, like you're building these characters, like, and like basically you're, like, you're assembling their personalities. I, I don't know, maybe people you know, maybe it's just like, you know what I mean, random thought, or like you might get like a slight bit of inspiration where you have an amalgam of different characters through. Yeah, literature or real life or whatnot but you must like do you sometimes fall into the trap where you might like one character more than the other and like so you're kind of like hey it's <laughs> like you keep turning like I'd like to see what happens with this character what they're gonna do today oh <laughs> that cheeky so-and-so little <laughs> scamp like, yeah. do you find yourself you fall into that trap or is it a case of like yeah Oh.
1: um i did i see i i think this is this is an element of my teaching background feeding into my my writing foreground let's yeah. say because i'm i'm a very extensive planner i really i mean you can see all those post-it notes they are <laughs> very very specific And only that they're very perfectly evenly laid out because i'm a weirdo about certain things so i i know i know i'm a weirdo shot <laughs> uh
0: <laughs> it's okay it's okay
1: yeah uh on a side note I, I i always make a point of calling the kids weirdos when they do something really unique or different and when they first have me or get to know me they get Whoa, they get really offended and i'm like no no no. weirdos are the thing <laughs> like <laughs> let's be clear weirdo means you're individual you're different blah, blah. But anyway that's a side note <laughs> um so yeah like that's that's the thing because i'm such an extensive planner when a character kind of runs away in their own direction mm. um it makes it easier for me to be like, okay, well I'm not writing yet. So let's see where this direction takes me and let's see, can that become their story in the book? Um, So it was, it was pretty, it it was okay because like I hadn't written anything yet. Like that's why I don't understand the other style, the other main style of writing, which is like, I'm what's called a planner. There's Mm -hmm. other writers that are called pantsers. So they write by the seat of their pants. Um, In other words, they write, they plan as they go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I have a very good uh, close friend uh, who's uh, who is also an author Stephen Black and he is he on his fourth or is he on his third he's on his third or fourth book no fourth fourth book of his series and he makes it up as he goes like he does a ton of research at the end and get like he has rough ideas and then he starts writing and then and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and I I couldn't do that because that would make me rewrite the whole thing and go back so that the thing I come up with on page ninety four makes sense
0: with what happens at page one. So you going up to him goes, you madden me. <laughs> Stop it! It's like, it's like mm, I hate you.
1: <laughs> we we respect each other's differences and we've agreed not <laughs> to speak <save> of them.
0: Uh- <laughs> Just like, uh, just like, here he is, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> a, it up a well, just like, yeah, it up a well, just in the instance. <laughs> two days of planning, two days, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, so so
1: like characters. W- what's really important to me for, with characters is that I, when I'm writing them, I need to have a reason to like them, mm-hmm. but I also need to have a reason that I wouldn't. And Then for me, that makes them more real, like so. That when they, and I don't mean in terms of their actions, I mean their personality. So, like, using The Longest Night uh, as an example, Hunter is um exceptionally smart uh, and really, uh, real book smart, you know what I mean? Like, really gets it, but he's also exceptionally clumsy and messy and all over the place, and that would like. Um, he at the start of the very very start of the book he's um going through paperwork and and looking at things and what he does is he instead of looking at one sheet at a time let's say he had a big stack of paperwork and had to organize him he would he would go like well that's in that pile and that's in that pile and that's in that pile and he'll categorize to the point that the floor is covered in paperwork but it makes sense to him so that would drive me insane but also i really admire how intelligent he is so that's what i try to do with the characters
0: right Um and like you make them more real. I would imagine, like, okay, putting your characters in peril. Do you find that tricky to do, or are you just like, yeah, like a certain like a uh, a Martin who like to say, like, yeah, just as you're getting close to someone, you're like, going, you're the one. <laughs> it's like snap. I <laughs> can't.
1: Yeah. yeah, does the Thanos? Yeah. Um, uh, no, because that's. Not to sound heartless, that's their purpose. I mean, I mean, if characters weren't in peril, you don't have a story. Uh, especially the type of books I write, where it's that actiony, thrillery, you know, uh, running away from the bad guys with guns, and you don't have guns, that kind of thing. If that's not happening, then you don't have a story. Um, so I, I, I own. I know some authors get very emotional sometimes when they're writing their books and be like, oh, I don't want to kill them off, or I don't want them to be. On-. Um, but I do. I do feel bad but also they're they're not real so it's
0: okay (laughs) they're not real they're not real (laughs) (laughs) it's fine (laughs) no worries no worries you know what okay you don't have to say if it's in the book or not but what is one of the most Mm. gruesome ways you may have bumped off a character Or you've considered bumping off a character?
1: Um, I'm trying to think of one that I can say that won't spoil stuff. Um, Buried Alive? um, Burned to Death? Um, One person is forced to... And this is in a book I'm still writing, so this one's spoiler-ish but not really one person is forced to let their not to not kill their partner but to let their partner die through their own inaction they have to in order to save someone else that is deemed more important okay Um, so yeah i put them through
0: some shit (laughs) (laughs) okay okay like connor i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say like when you were growing up like did small animals disappear from your neighborhood? <laughs> I, thought, I thought
1: you were gonna say, Connor. I have to go.
0: Uh, and you were just... <laughs> no, no, no. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. Just recording. Make sure we get as much evidence as we can. <laughs> it's like a, yeah. It's like, it's like oh no, there's a power cut here uh, yeah, somewhere in the UK. <laughs> no. Um. No. It, like it's funny it's
1: i grew up on a farm so i saw enough gruesome things just by nature anyway but um i i no but i i did hear this one interesting thing um my my books like i i when i was writing the longest night and the stolen dagger i qualified them as a supernatural thriller but in a lot of reviews people have been like oh yeah and it's it's quite it's quite creepy and scary and so i think they're like i think i made a mistake when i labeled the genre i think maybe they should be more like a horror thriller um yeah. because it, it, they are quite dark i've read darker but they're still on the darker half of the light dark spectrum yeah. you know what i mean yeah um in terms of its tone and its atmosphere but i've read before and i think it's very true the darker someone's books are generally the more chilled out and normal and giddy and sunny the author is and the theory behind it is a way
0: to cover your tracks good way <laughs> the
1: theory behind that is is that authors who write that gruesome stuff are purging that from their system whereas people who don't write that stuff have that somewhere really deep down they have that thought of being like Oh, I'd love to do that to somebody just because I hate them so much. Whereas I do it to characters, so I get it out of my system. <laughs> fair enough. Fair
0: enough. I can I can tell your like your better half is like breathing a sigh of relief tearing that from <laughs> <laughs> That's like he like May or may ooh. not have been the one that I was imagining when I was typing certain things.
1: Yeah, it's right. like, oh, you don't do the washing up anymore. That's fine. It vibe <laughs> it. <laughs>
0: it's like oh, why are you staring at me like that? No, <laughs> no reason. reason. No reason. <laughs> <laughs> ah uh, so how long did it take you to get your first book done and out there because yeah
1: yeah um <clears throat> so pretty fast by the normal standard but pretty slow by my own um so the, uh, I started writing 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 as in I had uh, like for me planning is the start of writing so mm. I started planning the longest night in uh 20 October 2016. Okay. And I published it August 2018. 18? Wait, 19. August 2019. Um yeah, so like three-ish years, a little bit, a little bit shy of three years. and um, there are authors out there who will be like, it took me 10 years, but here's here's the thing. I think it takes people 10 years to write their first book because that's not all they're doing. Whereas I got my book done and like there was, there was six months at one point during those uh, three years that I did nothing with the book because Mm -hmm. I was just not motivated, which is totally normal and fine. But I, like I said, that, that, that my partner calling my bluff that time, like that kind of lit the fire. So I was like, no, 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 I'm getting this done and I want to publish it. And the original goal was to publish it before I turned 30. Uh, I failed in that, but I'm okay with that. I was, I was 30 when the book came out. Uh, so I was pretty close, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it's it, the reason for it is because I had read this book, um, very close to the time we had that couple bucket list chat. I read this book called uh, how to level up your life by a fitness instructor, uh, Steve calm, who runs the website nerd fitness. Mm-hmm. And, um, it is it is a fitness book and it is about working out and the mentality and your diet and all this kind of thing. But it's also about focusing and changing your life to in such a way that you're doing the thing you want to do and that you're fulfilled with your life. And one sentence in it, it's the book is worth the price alone for this one sentence. Was from now on, you're not allowed to say I don't have time for that. Now instead, you have to say that isn't a priority. Mm. And it's written for the, you know, um, married couple with three kids who live in the suburbs and both work till seven and get home, and then the nanny goes, and then they say goodnight night to the kids and the kids go to bed, to make them realize I don't have time to play with my kids. Then when you say playing with my kids isn't a priority, it smacks people in the face and it makes them yeah. go, oh, my my, I'm prioritizing the wrong things. So I'm using that as an example. Like for me, it was. I don't have time for writing. No, no, no. It's writing isn't a priority. And that made me realize that's why I had never tried to, I had never written. I had, I was listening to the podcasts. I was reading the books. I was looking up articles. I was doing all this, but I wasn't actually writing. Yeah. So I reorganized stuff. I, I, I looked at all the, TV shows that the two of us were watching obsessively, I was like, am I actually enjoying this, or am I just watching the 10th season of The Walking Dead because the first season was good and I'm waiting for it to get good again?
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, nah, I'm not, I can't really say I'm a fan of The Walking Dead, like because like the actual uh, guy who wrote The Walking Dead, I would say like I'm a fan of his works. Like I yeah. basically, um, recently, there was Invincible, on amazon prime like I, yeah we can talk so about good it. oh god yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, the, the actual show itself i was like oh my god <laughs> it's like oh my god uh, yeah so like i get it <laughs> and i get like how you sort of like can drift into that sort of like yeah we're just watching it just doing that
1: We're watching it out of habit that's, yeah. that's the way i seen it before and So so that's what I did. I kind of looked at things that I was spending my time doing and saying, well, is this, does this bring me enough to to use that Marie Kondo? You know, that Japanese lady that cleans your house. Does this spark joy? I was like, well, so I basically raised my standard of the television programs I was watching, the video games I was playing, the books I was reading. I said, unless it's a nine or above, well, an eight or above, let's be nice. Let's say, unless it's an eight out of 10 or above I'm not wasting my time doing it. And I'm going to take that time and put it into writing. Mm. Um, And one, one thing I did was I also started getting up really early instead of, instead of rolling out of bed at like quarter past eight and then getting straight into my car to get to work on time. (laughs) I started um, getting up at like half six, seven in the morning and I'd spend an hour or so writing or, or, going to the gym or stuff. And I think doing that prior, like prioritizing the things that made me happier, which includes writing. Mm. um, I think that just, that's why I was able to get the book out so fast.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, this is the thing. Yeah. So many people like say they want to do so many things in this world. I see so many things. And like, basically look, we've had 14 months, like 15 months where like everything has literally been put on hold um like basically people which didn't like oh, uh, i don't have time i don't have time to do all of this had all the time in the world if they were on a furlough scheme or if they were still kind of employed like it was a case of you're working but let's be honest you're not working it is a case of, so like that journey times that all of that time has been returned to you but yet, yeah there are like there was a large percentage of people i'm not gonna go oh the vast majority because i don't know but there was a large percentage of people which instead of like sort of fulfilling or doing that thing which they go i don't have the time for it all of a sudden that time was there and they never actually did it and like yeah calling it like yeah is it a priority yes or no yeah you've got to like get real with it and like sit down and look at yourself honestly in the mirror and like go, yeah, if it is a priority, yeah Stop that TV, like stop watching that TV show Stop messing around, look Like have a discussion with like your better half And go, yeah, uh, yeah I really need to do this for the next X amount of time uh, Will you be there to be able yeah. to support me? And like, you know what I mean? Like some partners will be like uh, And like some people, and um, some partners will be like, yeah, go for it Fulfill your dream. It's just when, if it's like, yeah, it's not like, no, it's not really a priority, then like put that aside and like look to something else and like, you know what I mean? Move forward from there. But if you're going to bitch and complain and you know, like this, no, yeah. please shut up because you didn't, it wasn't a priority to you. So it shouldn't like bitching and complaining about it should not be now a priority to everyone else to listen to if you go, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. And I think that's that's something I liked about it because there are some things that when I said, Oh, I don't have time for that, when mm. I changed to that isn't a priority, it was nearly a relief. Yeah. Because I was like, Oh, great, that's not that isn't a priority. I don't ha- mm. I can stop worrying about it. Because I used to be like, Oh, I don't have enough time. Like I'd be in the staff room at work and everyone would be talking about um some new TV show that just came out, and I was just like I felt left out. And then when I'd say to myself that let's say it was uh I can't think of a TV show now that I didn't watch. This is awful. Um, <laughs> normal people. Normal people came out here in Ireland and it was a huge thing. And everyone was talking about normal people. And then, so I, I just said, I don't time to watch normal people. No, mm. watching normal people isn't a priority. And I just, it's like the weight is just put away, a lift off your shoulders. And I know, again, I, it's not all about TV shows. It's just that's yeah. the easiest most accessible way to understand. Because maybe if someone says going to the gym isn't a priority, that make make them feel less guilty about not going to the gym. Like if, uh, like, if, uh, yes, you should exercise and maintain your health,
0: obviously, but there's other ways to do that
1: than going to the gym.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and like this, it. um, I I totally get that. If someone goes, yeah, gym's not a priority. Oh, okay, yeah, like you know what I mean. Go for a walk, like you know what I mean. Like hike, whatever, to get that type like type in. Um. And yeah, see how you can go with that. But if it's not a priority, don't waste your time um, because it's like it's a finite thing. And like, yeah, while you're wasting your time taking yeah. energy away from something you really want to do, yeah, might lead to that sort of mm, that endless journey of happiness we can try to seek out. <laughs> yeah, but like, this is the thing with like, hit like with me doing podcasts. And like you doing like books and a podcast. Mm-hmm. Now, did you find when you would like started doing like your book that you like had to incorporate other things which might have surprised you along the way to sort of get the word out about your book?
1: Um, not, not quite sure what you mean by that. You mean like what
0: like, things did I... like you acquired other skills you didn't expect.
1: Oh sorry yeah yeah well my my first thing was um just being able to reach out to people and talk to strangers in a way that like especially online in a way that was meaningful as opposed to in a way that was hey buy my book um you know and just put putting myself out there a little bit more um it's for for years on the likes of facebook and twitter and instagram I, my profile picture would be just something It would never be my face because I'm a teacher and I'm not allowed to have a, a public life. Um, you know, that's, that's the, that's the perception I was, I was always under. Whereas now I'm the exact opposite. Now I'm like, hi, I'm Connor Braden here. Go to my website, Connor Braden.com. I have a podcast. Blah, 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 blah. And yes, some, some parents and some kids have stumbled uh, across me on social media. Um, the kids are a bit silly enough to comment, to be like, Oh, hi Connor. And then I'm like, ha ha block. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's just the thing of like, I, ha- I have to realize there's nothing wrong with putting yourself out there when you are a content creator whether it be a podcast or whether it be youtube videos or tiktoks or novels Mm -hmm. like you can't especially when you publish things yourself when you're uh, independent when you don't have uh, a corporation behind you that can help you with marketing yeah it's really important that you have to like get over that um taboo of talking about yourself in a positive way
0: Mm. What would you say was like one of the more successful marketing campaigns to sort of get your book out there, if there is one?
1: Um, being consistent, I think, which doesn't sound like a marketing thing, but it is. So, um, uh, when when my book first, when I was first dr- drumming up to the release of the book, I I my only real way I was marketing was my uh, I had a Facebook page, which I've kind of neglected because it wasn't doing well and uh i don't know if you know this meanwhile but Facebook, but and, or your listeners don't um facebook is extremely good at what making you want to pay for things
0: yeah no facebook is facebook and instagram are pay-to-play forums and like this is the thing any like the the time when you could get a natural born following from facebook that might have been 10 12 years ago now it's you pay Mm -hmm. and you can play and like yeah Yeah.
1: so so the way instagram and facebook work now the kind of way the algorithm works is your you put up a a post or or something i think i think i might be wrong you might know better than i it's something like five to eight percent of your followers will see it oh, and only that yeah it'll appear on their feed and then if they interact with it, it will be put in front of more of your followers and more and more. And then if you somehow, if 100% of your followers that see it interact with it, it will then start appearing on other people's feed because, you know, you know the way you're, you're scrolling through Twitter or something and, yeah. and it comes up, oh, uh, meanwhile, retweeted this. You know, so that, that's how that happens. Whereas Twitter, I find, is a little bit more, it, you, still, you still can pay to play and you can still have tweets or something that, don't do as well but the difference i find with twitter in particular twitter is where i've had my most success i think in terms of marketing and social media and stuff with twitter it it's, it's it, the more often some a one person interacts with you the more often you'll appear on their feed it's not down to the one tweet it's down mm. to, it's you as a as a, a tweeter as a, an account um so that i like a little bit better because it's just a bit i feel like it's it it's more natural like if if you see one of my tweets and you like it and then you scroll and you see another one, you like it, Twitter's like, oh, okay, Miwa likes Connor on Twitter. So let's yeah. put well Connor in front of Miwa well. and then you're gonna end up retweeting me more blah, 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 blah. Um so I think just being being consistent and being like making sure that people who try to follow you know what they're going to be seeing when they follow you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to constantly push my book, but I will constantly mention there's a book while i'm talking about other things like people that follow it's it's really funny i have maybe three different camps of followers on twitter one is fellow writers who follow me because we're writers and we support each other i have then um friends and family which is really really small sliver but they're there and then i have um fellow teachers who follow me because of the, the you know, because I'm giving out about the latest cuts uh, cutbacks or I'm talking about a particular lesson that I did that I thought was really good or whatever. And it was really interesting is when those three different
0: audiences interact. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like going, what? That's like authors, friends and family, and teachers. Right? And when you're like just like talking about like policy, it's like going, huh? <laughs> How does that work? I know. Like- I don't he's like um hello <laughs> he's like "How you guys doing hello <laughs> basically it,
1: like i had like that that author I mentioned earlier then friends it's Stephen black like um he said something that was like i i gave out I, I i just tweeted something basic it was just like didn't have a great day today can't talk about it it was it was uh, something to work that i can't mention didn't have a great day today can't talk about it but angry face
0: yeah and
1: one of my author friends Stephen, goes was it the Minister of Education? What did she say this time? <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's,
1: you know, I, I just, I think being yourself on social media is, is one of the best and most underrated ways of, of helping your content be seen because people know the difference between someone who's just, like I, I've, seen, I've seen Twitter accounts that can have 10, 15, 20,000 followers, but their tweets get like five comments, maybe? On average, less sometimes, and that's because all they do is tweet about their books. And it was like, hey, have you read The Longest Night yet? You can buy it on Amazon.co.uk for da da da. Hey, have you? Done you know, and that's fine. Whereas when you're some, when you're a real person, and mm. then your people are more inclined to like you, and then they're going to end up looking more at your stuff. And then, oh, he has a podcast. I didn't know that. Listen, oh, he has a he has a book. Let's check that out. Oh, it has five stars. Great, cool. I'll buy it. And I just think being that consistent person makes people more enamored with you. And then, yeah. Yeah,
0: no, like this is the thing I always, like when you say consistency, I say consistency is the most powerful force in like in this universe, because people are like, what do you mean consistency is the most powerful force? Look, okay, you you do something good or you do something bad. You put consistency to either one of those things You start to see a pattern forming, you do bad things, all of a sudden, that more and more bad things keep on coming your way. You do like consistently good things, more and more good things come your way. Like, yeah, you like consistently active, yeah, like this comes your way, consistently inactive, this comes your way. So Mm -hmm. it's like if you don't understand the power of consistency, and it doesn't sort of, I don't think anyone does until. There's a point until in your you're life. the other side of it. Really. Yeah, like yeah. it's
1: it's until you've been consistent and you look back and you're like, oh, uh, like yeah, like, like I I make look. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't make a lot of book sales at all. Like I'd maybe have six or seven a month, right yeah. on, on Amazon. But I'm really happy with that because that's without any paid advertising. Mm-hmm. That's without me talking about my book. That's without. You know what I mean? That's, that's just me being me. And then people are like, oh, here's a book, click. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I'm hoping eventually I'll get to a point where I'll have more time and more capability to push that further. And,
0: you know. Well, this is the thing it is your first book. And, you know, what? like, there are some people which, like, oh, it's my first book and I sold millions. Oh, no. But, like, I would say the vast majority of authors who are out there, especially with these. This day and age, where okay, self publishing is a thing, and like if this was, say, the 90s, 80s, 90s, like sort of early 2000s, yeah, you would get a publisher who then would like put their time, money, and resources to like push you out there to as many people as possible. Right now, being a self publisher, this is what it's about, like, and like people might not like the word grind or hustle or anything like that but in like to make things realistically happen on a certain level you've got to do that you've got to put energy, like time and energy into it if you don't it's not going to grow it's not going to flourish it's yeah. just going to sit there yeah and, like it's great to be an author to uh yeah uh, my mom picked up my book and my dad like bought it out of sympathy. My mom didn't. My mom didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a book. <sighs> do,
1: you, do you want to know something? Like, I love my partner. I love him very much, but he's severely he blah, 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 cannot talk right now. He's severely dyslexic, so he ah. hasn't even tried. He hasn't even tried to read it. He's just like, oh, no, I just can't. I just can't. So he's waiting for me to do the audio book, which is another thing on my never-ending to-do list. And I, I <laughs> but uh yes yeah, so that's going to be entertaining but like even even like for an example of being consistent and being yourself like mm. h- how much of this very podcast was me talking about teaching before we even started talking about the book oh. and and the reason I do these podcasts is marketing Like it it's selling the it's it's trying to get my name out there so people buy the book but we were having a natural flowing conversation so that's the rabbit hole we went down and I was more than happy to do that
0: you know this is the reason why I do my podcast the way I do my podcast. It's not like this is the thing I could like, I could be super niche and just like focus on one thing. And like, yes, I'm going to talk about marketing or I'm going to just talk about sales, like which are like, uh, yeah. It which, might.
1: which some podcasts do. And that's yeah. a totally legitimate way to do it as well. Like
0: Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with those podcasts. Like for myself, the reason why I started my podcast was about like, look, i'm like i'm a man now in his 40s and like the thing what people never tell you when you grow up um it's like yeah when you roll when you're in school you like you you go out with your friends it's like yes we are a legion (sighs) everyone roars at the same time and like when you hit your 20s you like oh we are a legion that roars (sighs) ah yeah but it's a little bit no, less. Like when you hit your thirties, we are legion. Well, not really a legion. We're like, uh like we're, we're like a legion. squad. No, I'm
1: yeah. not. I have a yeah. mortgage to deal with. Sorry. Like yeah. that's that's what you end up with.
0: Yeah, we're a squadron, and then like yeah. But as time goes by in my forties, it's like yeah, we are legion. yeah no, it's like no, this is like a ride and die small crew and you're like oh yeah see how go things go so you're not going out as much you're not seeing back you're not talking to people randomly and everything like this but it's a way for me to sort of still be able to grow in as a person by talking to people from all over like mm-hmm. uh, the spectrum like from authors like yourself to marketers to like coaches to oh my lord um like yeah um I remember speaking to, like, a rabbi, uh, Dovid, uh, like, over in New York. But I speak to people all over the globe, thanks to the power of Zoom and technology. Uh, I noticed Zoom caught you out uh, uh, quite recently when, like, I've, they put a new feature on there where it tells you, yes, you've just started recording. <laughs> Which uh, it caught me out, too. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was like, yeah, like I, I was like I, had the, I saw the same look on your face as <laughs> I had. I was just like, huh,
1: what? <laughs> and I was going to edit that out, and I was just like. No, that's too funny because because it caught my guest uh, Trina, whom, whom I I actually know from from real life from the Before Times. Oh, um before times. A, oh God. She uh, she and I are in the same writing group, and um, we 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 had a discussion. But the of us were expecting this, so there was this brief moment where we weren't being the author and the podcaster. We were just being ourselves. Going, did you hear that? I did Did you hear that? What was that about?
0: <laughs> Who else is on this? <laughs> Is it China? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, it's like, carry on. Let's <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah ignore the voice. Carry on. <laughs> but yeah, that's the way for me with podcasts. And like the thing I love about podcasts is you can do it absolutely your own way if you want it. Because look, with your podcast, you're like interviewing like authors from all over the place, mm-hmm. and like look and. I, from what I can see of the amount of people you've interviewed it's building into like look, it's building into a nice little community of like like-minded authors where you know what i mean you can turn to and you can talk to and yeah. build that sort of team at that, yeah. that kind of community which you know what i mean love it yeah uh, yeah
1: Well, so, like when i when i started the podcast
0: mm.
1: uh, <clears throat> i was like okay well, wh- why why would why why am i doing this right mm. I mean, you know and for me it was like uh, i i had two goals one was to again get my name out there it was it was content marketing it it was i I want people to be more familiar with me so that when the next book comes out and the next one after that at least there'll be a bit of a a group of people there who are more familiar with me and might be more interested in buying the book right Mm. so that was and that's a totally like i'm very honest and open like that but i didn't want it to just be about that i wanted to make sure there was something else i was getting from it so I decided, right, well, I'm going to see how much I can learn from other storytellers. And that's where the name came from. Story of a storyteller. It was I wanted to learn from other people by chatting with them um, specifically to aid my write home, my writing skill. So like I've had I've had authors that are New York Times bestselling authors. Mm. um, And I've had authors who haven't even published anything yet because you can learn from every step of the path you could like there's, there's no matter where you are in your journey there's always someone ahead of you there's always someone behind you and mm. they know something you don't no matter where you are so that was kind of the mission statement of story of a storyteller was i need to i need to learn from people yeah and yeah. i need to grow and yeah
0: yeah no but like hey so how many episodes are you in i know you've got season that like you're like you've just started season three how many episodes are you in now so uh
1: i do 10 episodes a season wow. um uh usually however with um uh we, we were discussing this uh before we hit record with uh my grandmother passing away i decided to let season three finish at eight episodes because mm. i was struggling to find um guests and stuff so now i'm focusing on season four so i do 10 episodes a season i have uh so with 10 20 8 And then I did a a Christmas special as well. So I have 29 episodes out uh, at the minute. And I'm quite, yeah, I'm quite happy with it. Like by the time season four ends, I will be, it'll be a year old with um,
0: 39 episodes out there. No, that's good. That's very good. Because look, um, like the, I've, The typical like scenario for most podcasts like the reason why oh there's so many podcasts yeah most of those podcasts are dead because it is five and done uh if you can make it past five with podcasts yeah uh if you like with you hitting like 40 wow that is like yeah an incredible benchmark and people just like don't I think people don't get it with podcasts. They're like, oh, yeah, because it's not the easiest it thing to find.
1: Really yeah, no, and sure, you know just as well as, as myself. Like, it's, it's you, know, you know, better than I. You're 150 episodes in, um, which the inner nerd of me was like, when you said episode 150, I was like, so I'm Mewtwo. Mewtwo is Pokemon number
0: 150. <laughs> um, I am the most powerful Pokemon there is. <laughs> like, see is my horrible. glory through my power. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My, like my lady's most really like looking like, going, What on earth is he talking about? <laughs> Who is this guest? Yeah, never that's talking that's about teaching, never talking about writing podcast. Pokemon. What yeah, that, yeah. Pokemon?
1: that's Connor, that's yeah. Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Connor, J. Connor the Geek. It's it's my Twitter handle for a reason. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so like, uh, my, the, that was the whole thing. The whole thing was uh, like learning and growing and, and figuring mm. things out. Um, and yeah, you're right, I have built this little community of my guests in particular. And that's one thing I want, I want to, I want to expand that community a little bit. That's kind of the next stage in the podcast. Yeah. I do like a lot of, a lot of my guests have actually become genuine, really close friends. Um, like there's uh, two authors. I just stumbled across them on Twitter um, that are both based in Ireland, one in Belfast, one here in Dublin. And um, the three of us are literally counting down the days that we're all fully vaccinated. So we can go and meet and see each other in person and three of us are we're in a little group chat on twitter just the three of us and we're in it every day talking to each other you know and um then there's other there's a, a couple of other authors that i'm very close with that are in new york and like we've gone on zoom chats just to catch up and see how we're all getting on mm. simply because we've become really good friends so i want to expand that now and start including the listeners a little bit more um so that's that's kind of the next stage i don't know how but i want i want to have as good a friendship with my regular listeners as i do with my previous guests
0: mm. uh, you might want to what? Yeah. like you might want to look into either doing youtube live um or basically doing it over twitch or wait what is that look at a program called StreamYard because, yeah, yeah that allows you to have, at, like you can connect a number of different, live. Yeah,
1: you, I think you can do three at a time. I think like uh, the Facebook Live and YouTube and Twitch and Twitter, like they have a couple.
0: Yeah, and I would say, yeah. Um, I, what platform to concentrate on? I don't know. Um, I, I would say, yeah, I'd definitely keep it on YouTube and like see what other, ch- like maybe Twitch, and I don't like maybe Facebook, but I'm not hundred percent sure uh, with that, but yeah. But like, use StreamYard, like, and like, do like sort of live broadcasts uh, that way. And like see if you can get people to come over, uh, I know,
1: and this, this, is, this, is, this is becoming much more a podcaster to podcaster chat than it is. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, look, it's gone through many
1: different stages, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, and I want to see what you think of this, actually. I've heard of a couple of podcasts doing this thing where, because I, 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 I like to have my podcast a bit edited. So I, I, I wouldn't be comfortable just filming live and done. Yeah. Um, because I like to edit in an intro and an outro as well. But I've heard us, what some people do is they actually stream the recording of the podcast. Mm. So, like, we'd be streaming this live, including the bit before and after we record. Yeah. And then then they have the podcast episode come out later. Like, what do you think of that? Do you think?
0: Like, put this way, um, the whole thing is, I would say, depending on which platform you're on, like, because I think YouTube favors, uh, like, live streaming. And, like, if you're on a platform like uh, Twitch, that... Definitely favors live streaming. It's just an extra way of like getting touching bases with people. Um, And because the one hard thing about podcasts, if you don't have it on YouTube, say, you have it out there in the ether, like sitting on all of these different podcast directories, but it's incredibly hard for people to just search it out. You doesn't have that sort of say search capability. So I would say if you want to, like, uh, give it an extra bow. I have never done it, so I don't know the success rate of it myself. But I will just say, just give you that extra sort of findability. Uh, I've been on a couple – I've been on – wait, no. I've been on one live interview where it was, like, a sort of group panel thing. And from that, um, there there was an increased engagement from, like – people like finding me that way Uh, but yeah Uh, but but the main way I would say like I don't go on to many other people's podcasts because the only reason why that is is because I'm just trying to get stuff together and like I've recently gone back to work so it's like okay but if if it was me and I was like just trying to get the podcast like my podcast out there as much as possible because I've got to learn my craft still even with 150 oh, so yeah yeah yep. so so it's a case of yeah i, I would go in as many podcasts as possible i would look at doing the live thing i would look at doing something else where, like yeah um maybe doing like getting your community together and like yeah doing a four-way chat or a three-way chat um doing a live sort of like conversation about that and like Jesus. doing it that way just so there's just so many ways to to, yeah. to do it, and yeah.
1: I think that's one thing. Like, I I don't I don't know what your what, what kind of a um thing your audience really clings to for the for the show. Like, I'm sure it's it's you as as a, as a host, but then like what it is. But like, if you're if any listeners are people that are wanting to go into this life of content creation again, mm. YouTube or Twitch or podcast or novels, whatever it is. I think what's important is that you take it baby steps like one thing at a time. That's the, that's the first reason that I said, okay, I'm only going to do this in seasons and I'm only going to do 10 episode seasons Mm. because if I'm doing, I knew, I knew it would happen that if for myself, if I tried to make it weekly that I would burn out and I knew, I knew I I didn't have the, the time for that. And that's just something that will happen eventually. I hope when, once I'm more confident and stuff and once I, I I'm in a better routine you know so it's, it's all about baby steps and then when you've mastered that step and only when you've mastered it to mm. move on to the next one
0: yeah I would say like yeah baby steps learning on the way is always like look I like I would say don't like if someone's out there and they want to start like don't get hung up about like totally mastering it all because that can sometimes stop someone like moving forward mm-hmm. i would say get like get enough episodes under your belt if it's like podcast youtube being an author like uh taking photos or whatever it might be get enough sort of like what Episodes get enough sort of experience under your belt, so you know where you've succeeded, where you failed, what like what you could do better, and how you've like triumphed along the way, and like take it from there. Because look, uh, and don't compare yourself to people who have gone before you, because that situation, that circumstance, was at that time, and that time was that time. Now it's today. Look, if you went back, say. Four years? Well, three years even. You are on TikTok, right?
1: Yeah, I only started this year. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, you started this year. TikTok wasn't a thing three years ago. And look, and I've looked at some of the engagement numbers you've got. You're getting like 500 views here, 500 views there, and I like, go, oh, as you said, oh, when you looked at your the number of your villages, it's like a small town. It's like a small village. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, i think that's the thing because, like, I, I know t- t- TikTok is funny, uh, and and no, not just TikTok. This is this happens on Twitter as well. There's this thing of follow for follow.
0: Yeah, never do that. <laughs>
1: it, no, 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 no. And I—I I, I made the mistake at the start of um, when, but just before my book came out. I really tried to get my Twitter following that, uh, up a bit, mm. and like in the grand scheme of things, I know I'm a small fry person on Twitter. I have like 2,000 and something followers. Um, I think. But the difference is a, a lot of those 2000s are engaged mm. and they actually comment and they actually retweet and they actually talk to me and I talk back. And that is so much like engagement is far more important than follower numbers. And I think there's, there's this, um, in my, this is my opinion. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is gospel. And there is this thing, especially I find it a lot on TikTok in particular of this follow for follow. Mm. And you'll see people with 11,000, 12,000, 100,000 followers but their videos are like 200 views yeah uh, and then but then you look at how many people they follow and it's like oh the numbers are the same that's that's why like they're only following people that follow back yeah and if you think like so if you're someone who does that if you're someone who follows for follows if you think of your own activity on on these social media apps all you're doing is looking and following people in the hopes that they'll follow you back you're not engaging in content no. So the people who are following you back because you followed them, they're doing the same thing. They're not engaging in content. They're they're looking for more followers
0: and that's it. Mm. You know? Yeah, no, um, I agree. Because look, with with regards to sort of content and like basically it's a sorry, sad state to say like if you are involved in anything creative, you've got to you've got to be a marketing PR guru in some formal way but like i'm not talking high level but enough to sort of be able to get like traction because mm-hmm. yeah if yeah. you don't have that type of skill behind you and look um there's a youtuber photographer uh called peter mckinnon okay mm-hmm. and there's another youtube photographer for called jared uh, poland uh and look jared poland has been in the game longer than Peter McKinnon. And like Jerry Poland's got about a billion, billion and a half like subscribers on his YouTube channel. Peter McKinnon, like has got something like 10, almost 10 million. And like, that's because um, when it comes down to the one key difference, Peter McKinnon knows how to market and sort of publicize himself a lot more. And anyone you see big on anything has that skill in abundance as well as that and like i would say i'm not gonna say it should take away from anyone but it's a case of it's important or if you can't do it find someone who can and yeah. like help you <laughs> because yeah. you've got to remember uh, um, like, don't like for greatness it's not a solo thing it is a team yeah
1: no you're right uh, like it's that old that age-old phrase that it takes a village to raise a child yeah i mean it is uh, and that's. I think that's the most important thing of being a content creator for lack of a better term i know that's always been saying but and i'm not talking about just podcasts or tiktoks or anything like if you're someone who creates something that other people watch or read or listen to for enjoyment you're a content creator and if you are you there is no such thing as a one-man show Mm. people will say there is but there's not like you you meanwhile you run your podcast completely on your own and everything and you do it. but you have friends and family that support you you have guests that come on you have fans that listen um I have a novel that wouldn't have been written if it wasn't for my partner that gave me a kick up the arse to actually (laughs) realize I'm supposed to be writing if I want to be a writer um I I have author friends now that, that I've made in the last year and a half really COVID COVID really did that (laughs) um that we've all read each other's books and we're we're singing each other's praises all the time and our books are being found by by each other's followers because we're supporting each other so like it's it's all about that like sense of community and i think that is something that certain walks of life in on uh social media don't realize
0: how important that genuine community is Mm. outstanding outstanding like one more question before you go Sure. I, like this might be the toughest question you might face all day I don't, I don't know man it was sports today <laughs> <laughs> look you had, like, yeah you true Well, we, we shall see and, like, let's do this. this is up to the sports like day challenge okay now, like, now he's warming up he's warming yeah. up okay now think of like think of one of the like one of your personal favorite films or like TV shows right?
1: Hmm.
0: Now If you could Like that film or TV show Now if you could replace the whole Cast with Muppets And have one human Which film or TV show would that be And which one would you Keep or replace
1: um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer And the human would be
0: Giles <laughs> <laughs> Which Muppet would be like Buffy? Oh,
1: oh, the actual Muppet Muppets, like it would be just new. Oh, okay, yeah. oh, that changes things. Oh, um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm changing my answer then because I thought it was just going to be puppet Muppets. Uh, yeah. all right, both of the vampires there. Miss Piggy is Buffy, yes. Um, Willow would be Janice, the other one that has her eyes closed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Xander would be Fozzie the Bear. Um, Kermit the Frog would be Giles. And the only human would be um, whoever the villain is of the season. <laughs> yeah. So like the, so in season one, it would be the Master. Season two, it would be Angel. Who would have been a Muppet in season one? So that would be interesting. Uh, so yeah, yeah there, you there you go. Miss Piggy would be an amazing Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean she had the moves already.
0: There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. <Yeah>. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, love it. Uh Connor, can you tell the people how they can find you out there in the big wide world? In the big wide
1: world. Uh main place would be ConnorBraden.com. So C-O-N-O-R-B-R-E-D-I-N dot com. That has Links to most of my social media and uh, book and podcast. The podcast, if you want to look for it on its own, is Story of a Storyteller. And everywhere on social media, um, I'm just Connor the Geek. Excellent
0: excellent i'd like to say thank you to you connor for coming on today you have been a superstar loving it <laughs> and i'd like to say thank you to you my friends my life warriors out there please stay safe stay well be awesome be excellent be fantastic be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some have a great day guys yes please oh uh, and we are